Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for great King Jesus. We thank you for his power and his might. This morning, Lord, we're amazed that he would come to be one of us, that he would come to know us, that he would come to be with us. So, Lord, today help us to celebrate the great priest who is the great sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week, first Sunday in Advent, we lit the candle of hope. That hope still burns brightly, and today we light the candle for the second Sunday in Advent. This is the candle of peace. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, we remember that Jesus is our hope and our peace. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 43 through 5. We claim Jesus' words from the Gospel of John where he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. From John 14, 27. We light this candle knowing full well that peace is elusive and in some parts of the world and in many individuals it is completely absent. Yet, in this season of Advent, we trust that God is with us. God is always preparing something new, whether between countries, within families, or within our own hearts. God is present and making things new. Let us pray. Gracious God, grant that we may find peace as we celebrate our Lord's birth and the second coming that is yet to be. We pray that divisions in ourselves and in our families will be peacefully resolved. May there be peace in our cities and in the countries of our world. Help us to see the paths of peace in our lives, and then give us courage to follow them. Lord, let us remember that you only are the giver of lasting peace, and that you are always with us. Amen. So... We need a priest because we have need. Sounds kind of like, well, obvious. But do you know why we need a priest? A priest that's name is Jesus. When I think of a priest and the word uh, with all of its years of, of history that comes to me today, I think of confession I think of care, I think of doing life together, I think at its best, I think of being known. One of our greatest needs as humans is to be known. And when I say that, I don't mean that like they just know your name. 
I mean that person that, that you trust, that you open up to, that you get rid of all that pretense and the false fronts and you bear your soul and this is who I am. Don't we need that? What a wonderful place to rest with someone who knows me. The world that we live in can be hard. It can be really difficult sometimes. And as I sat over there watching these beautiful little faces up here proclaiming incredible truth, I rejoiced in the one who created each and every one of them, who has committed to them. This morning, I rejoice that they have a priest, and you'll get to appreciate that more in a bit, who knows them. I mean, really knows them. Better than any other person in this room, as much as you might love that one in particular, I was blown away thinking that no matter what could come to them, no matter what the days are ahead, the creator of them, their great priest, is with them every step of the way. So this season of Advent, we rejoice in these truths. Last Sunday, we had that um, Jesus is the the long-awaited prophet, and today we have that he's the long-awaited priest. We're going to look at three verses that come from the book of Hebrews, and if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, the theme that runs all through the book of Hebrews is everything that brought us to this moment of me writing this book, I can tell you that Jesus is the culmination of it. That he is superior to this and to this and to this. And today, we're going to just touch on that Jesus Christ is superior to all of the priests who'd gone before and how ultimately they were pointing at him. So we have these three verses. The first of them from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So again, priest, that that concept of waiting that Jesus is a prophet, priest, and king will be next week, that he's he's priest. What comes to mind when you you think of, of priests? I told you a little bit what I thought. Mediator comes to mind right away. And in a positive light, there's there's thoughts on this huge spectrum when it comes to this title priests. Priests often, uh, for many of you, me in the Protestant tradition, often we think of of pastors. And we do have a lot of overlap. There's no question about that. But there's there's some differences. But the thing I want to talk about and focus on, there is overlap on it. And it's very similar. So on the one side, when you think of priest, on a positive side, you'd think of someone who knows God and God's word. You'd think of that they are loving and caring, hopefully. you think that um, they want to serve God and people, and that sounds great. And then there's this other stuff that works its way in. It's kind of, I'll say, it, I wish it were always a lie, but it, it isn't all the time. This idea that this person, this priest, this pastor is disconnected. 
that they don't know the temptations. They don't know what temptations are really like. They don't know what the world is really like. And so you're, you, you are slow to, to open up to them because they, they just don't quite get it. I mean, what does a pastor know about my situation? What does a priest know about doubt and anger and fear and lust and greed? And we can kind of pull back and remove ourselves. And out of that kind of thought process comes all this this stuff that ultimately boils down to, I'm not going to open up. I am not known to to them, and and they're not known to me. We've got this disconnect, and sometimes they're holier than thou. And and, and yeah, those those pastors, I don't want to tell them about my sin. Those priests, I don't want to open up like that. Because they can't relate. I stand before you today as a pastor. I'm a regular guy. I've got this unique role, so to speak, but so do you in other ways. And I am seeking God and struggling in the journey. Some days it's magnificent, feels great. And other days, it doesn't. The concept of of priest goes way back. And this idea kind of of a separation, it's easy to kind of see where we might think that. If you're familiar with it, there's, there's a group of the tribe of the Levites in the Old Testament, and all the priests came out of the tribe of, of Levi, and then there was the high priest who came out of the priest, so to speak. And, and they were, they had unique expectations, responsibilities, things that they were expected to do. They were preparing the sacrifices and they, they would do service to the temple. And that was what they did. And they had some separation from the other tribes of Israel, but they were part of Israel. And, but this high priest, there's one. And the high priest had one really big responsibility that was yearly. It was on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, this one person, this high priest, was chosen for this particular thing. That he would enter into the, to the holiest of holy places and offer a sacrifice for the people of Israel. And then he would send off a scapegoat into the wilderness with the sins of the people. And this was the role of the high priest. But... As I've already stated, the high priest was like the priest, who was like the Levites, who was like the Israelites, who was like Nick, and like everyone else sitting in this room, we are sinners. And so that high priest, even though he had that incredible responsibility and function that set him apart, it was well understood that, that or should have been, that he was a sinner. So in the process of him going into the most holy place, he still needed to make sacrifices even for himself and his sin. So you can see now as I'm talking about this that then we get to this moment in time where we gather together and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Because everything changes with Jesus. His whole priesthood, all of it, it worked as God intended for it to work. But the only reason that it worked was that it pointed forward to the one that would make it all work. His name is Jesus. He is the high priest. He's the one behind it all. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus has done what none of those other priests or sacrifices could have done. 
he has brought us into the presence of God. So our text continues, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So I mentioned that there can be those priests, those pastors, the people who like think they're, they're better than other people, that kind of thing. The absolute, just flip that on its head, is Jesus, whose natural place is in heaven. He is God, and he did not stay there. He came for us. He, scripture says he lowered himself. He wasn't even, he didn't care what it made him look like. He knew what he needed to do because of his incredible love for me and for you. And so he, he came, left heaven, came here, lived a life. He was born as a baby. He lived life just like you, just like me. And God's word makes very clear that the stuff that you're dealing with, he knows about. The stuff that I can't imagine getting through, Jesus conquered all of it. The intensity of temptations that get the best of us and we go, I wish those temptations weren't there. We battle, we battle, we battle. And, uh. Jesus battled and battled and battled and battled and won and won and won and won. But he can, he can relate to the intensity of temptation because he took it all the way out to victory every single time. So, I need a priest. I need someone to bridge this incredible gap between me and my junk and my stuff and my failures and my doubts and a holy God who wants me. How can I get there? I cannot overstate how thankful I am that Jesus is my high priest. Because I'm well aware how incredible of a failure, sinner, inadequate, pick a bunch of words, apathetic when I should care more, not doing what I should do, doing stuff that isn't that important. I can hide that pretty well from you. God knows all of it. And he still wants me. So when it rises up within me, this idea of all my stuff, and I might be tempted to think, God must surely be worn out by me. Jesus just declares, no, Nick. That's the very reason I came. Just keep coming to me. In fact, I imagine there would have been like a, somehow a conversation in heaven where Jesus is talking and just going, yep, I, I want to I fully give Nick confidence that every pain he feels, every hurt, every difficulty in life, when he feels misunderstood by everybody, I want him to know I've been there. I'm right with you. Jesus wants us to know that all of my failures and yours, every sin that you've ever committed and the rest that are to come, he took them to the cross 
and conquered them. He took on my death and yours. A good priest, the best of a priest, the best of a pastor, makes you feel like they get me. Oh, they might, they, no one can get in each other's exact head, of course, but the idea is that they can empathize, they can sympathize, they, they're, they're, they're with me. I don't know, for those of you who are musicians, you'll be familiar with this sympathetic resonance. If you're, if you're, or scientists in the crew. That would be if we had two pianos sitting up here, string pianos, and, and you hit one of them, a note on one, it would magically, phenomenally, it would resonate in the other one. It would vibrate, that same note. Jesus does this with everything. Everything in your life. Everything that you feel like no one would understand, he does. Completely. So this morning, if you're thinking that, that you're all alone, I want to tell you, or that no one's experienced this, there's two things I want to tell you. First is that Jesus has been there. He's been there. One way or another, it's, it's, he's been there. And the second thing is he is there right now, in this thing that is your life. Today and tomorrow until the very end. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I am going through the fire, I want to tell you that that will happen. In this world, things can be hard. Especially if you want to live like Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus because he was crucified. If you want to hold on to God's truth, if you want to love people sacrificially, if you want to stand up against injustice and oppression, if you want to do stuff like that, you will face opposition. If you go against the kingdom and the way this world operates, you will face opposition. And then there's other times we just feel like we're going through the fire because it's just really hard. Daniel 3 is a wonderful picture of what I want you to think about if you're going through the fire. It's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you're familiar with that story, it's these, these men who are not going to bow to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar puts before them. He tells them, if you do not bow to this idol, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. He gives them a chance to recant, and they do not. He has his soldiers bind them up. He, he specifically takes what it says are his strongest soldiers and binds them up and throws them into this ultra-hot furnace. He comes back. He looks in, and they're walking around in the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says this, I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the fourth is like a son of God. They're still in the fire. But now they're unbound. And they're walking around with their Savior. I can't take away the fires from you. 
you might be going through some stuff that isn't about ready to end right now. But I can tell you that Jesus Christ has a capacity to when you feel like you're just bound, he can set you free even in the midst of that. Or maybe you feel like you're going under. Maybe that's the imagery you're thinking of. I feel like I'm drowning. I'm overwhelmed. Jesus has been there, and he is there for you. David cried out in Psalm 69 too, the waters are up to my neck. I have come into deep waters where the floods sweep over me. But as he communicates in the rest of the psalm, he ends in a place where he says, God is attentive. God hears me and he will deliver me. Or maybe you feel like your life is just in a storm and you are terrified. Then I would encourage you to again think of Jesus. Think of him in in Matthew 14 where the disciples are out on the water, the storm is raging and we're told they're terrified. They are gonna drown out there. And all of a sudden in the midst of the storm, the storm is still raging. Jesus walks up to the boat And he says, don't be afraid, it's me. So today, when we pray, we are heard by God. When I cry out that these situations are beyond me, Jesus, he goes, I know, I've got it. So we come boldly, we come confidently. Again, we come openly and God Almighty says, you belong here. This is where I want you. We've been singing about the veil in the temple being torn from top to bottom. That's to let us in. When I come and I say, Lord, Father Almighty, heaven hears me. Because Jesus looks at me and goes, he's with me. He's one of mine. I claim him. I hope that you know that for you. He came for us. My wife and I got a call. Our little girl, Solve, was up at Long Prairie Conservation Center. And we got the call early in the morning. It was like, six o'clock in the morning or something like that. She's sick. They're getting ready to load the buses anytime. I know about you, but the thought of a little, little girl that you love, daughter or just somebody you care about, getting on a bus with stomach flu, what are you gonna do? I, I sacrificed a few hours of my life to bring my little girl home where we knew her. We loved her whether she had the stomach flu or not. We would not make fun of her. God left heaven to die because we needed him to. He knows you. He loves you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you 
are the great high priest. The one whose sacrifice is your very life. Lord, you know of our sin. You know our failures. You know our doubts and our fears. Lord Jesus, may we understand that you are over it all. And you want us. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.